This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Hi, y'all, and welcome to Horsin' Around. Saddle up and get ready to have a darn tootin', gallopin' good time as we trot out the show that's your ultimate horse sorts, of course. Find out how to use good old horse sense when it comes to breeding, feeding, training, and explaining. From practical tips on caring for your horse's health to advice on how to buy horse supplies, including bridles, halters, saddles, and more. So get ready to start horsing around with your host, horse expert and award-winning rider, Audrey Pavia. Howdy, Audrey. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Horsing Around on PetLifeRadio.com. Thanks for joining us. This week, we're going to talk about a health condition that affects a lot of horses, equine metabolic syndrome. Our guest this week is veterinarian Lydia Gray, who is currently the medical director and staff veterinarian for Smart Pack Equine and the former director of owner education for the American Association of Equine Practitioners. Dr. Gray is going to tell us about equine metabolic syndrome and how we can recognize and manage this condition in our horses. We'll talk to Dr. Gray right after these messages. Why the long face? I reckon Horsin' Around will be back in the saddle right after we round up a few words from our sponsors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's designerpetsweaters.com. Hand-knitted designer sweaters for your precious pup or cool cat. Beautiful couture patterns for your pets, including custom-knitted formal wear, casual wear, yachting, and even sports-themed. Many designer pet sweaters include feathered tammy hats, top hats, and a lot of sparkle. Each sweater includes leg loops, front paw sleeves, and leash opening. Visit designerpetsweaters.com to order your four-legged fashions today. Your pets will stay warm for the winter and be runway ready. Large or small, we fit them all. Designerpetsweaters.com Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com We know you're chomping at the bit to hear more horsing around. Well, we're back on the trail. So park yourself over yonder and set a spell. You ain't heard nothing yet. Hi, welcome back to Horsing Around. I'm your host, Audrey Pavia, and today we are talking to veterinarian Lydia Gray about equine metabolic syndrome. Hi, Dr. Gray. How are you? I'm good, Audrey. How are you? Good. Let's start out by talking about exactly what equine metabolic syndrome is. Okay. Right now, the experts are defining it as a syndrome of obesity, insulin resistance, and laminitis in middle-aged horses. When I say obesity, I mean a horse that can be overweight or a horse that has abnormal fat deposits. So you don't have to be fat to have equine metabolic syndrome, although many horses are. Okay, so basically those are three symptoms of the condition, right? Well, they, they are symptoms of it, but they're also the criteria for the diagnosis. Okay. Horses and have to have those three things in order for a veterinarian to say, you have equine metabolic syndrome. Okay. And what is it exactly? Like, how is it, um, how does it affect the body? Like, what's going on that causes these issues? Well, let's, let's back up and talk about insulin resistance, because I threw out a fairly scientific term and then didn't define it. First, let's say, what is insulin? And insulin is the hormone that's secreted by the pancreas after a meal that causes glucose and other nutrients to be taken up by cells or tissues of the body and used. 
when you are insulin resistant, it means that your cells or tissues fail to respond to the effects of insulin. So they fail to take up glucose. So when that happens, this insulin resistant state creates a, a pro-inflammatory state and it sets horses up for laminitis and other problems. The way that I like to describe this, when people ask me well, what causes equine metabolic syndrome, there is a strong genetic influence, but obesity is the primary problem that sets off this whole cascade of metabolic abnormalities, insulin resistance leading to laminitis being the primary ones we are worried about. So basically what you're saying is if a horse is overweight, it, that can trigger the condition. That's an excellent word, and I was hoping to work that in today. When horses are overweight, it turns out that because of, of genes and diet and age and breed and a host of factors, the fat that certain horses produce and, and accumulate around their body is active fat. We like to think of fat as being inert or just taking up space. But in these horses, it's very active and hormone-producing, and it sort of perpetuates itself. That's that obesity setting off the cascade of, of metabolic abnormalities that I was talking about. So obesity does tend to start this issue, although I'm going to repeat again, not every horse with insulin resistance is obese. And I'm assuming not every obese horse develops equine metabolic syndrome. Exactly. But you use that magic word trigger, and horses that are predisposed to equine metabolic syndrome and insulin resistance, when they have a trigger factor such as lush spring pastures or high sugars in the grain or uh, perhaps a touch of colic, their threshold for developing laminitis and other problems is lowered because they're in this pro-inflammatory state already. What's the difference between a horse just coming down with a case of laminitis and that being equine metabolic syndrome? And this is where it gets really tricky. Like it's not been tricky and complicated so far. Right. <laughs> there's, lots, there's lots of causes of laminitis. And right now there are five equally good theories about why horses get it. In insulin resistance or horses with equine metabolic syndrome, the experts believe it has something to do with the hyperinsulinemic state, that is, there's high, abnormally high amounts of insulin circulating in the blood all the time, preventing glucose from entering tissues such as the tissues in the hoof, the lamina. Mm -hmm. And experts think that being shut off or deprived of glucose might lead to breakdown of tissue. So how common is this condition? That's hard to say, and I don't know if anyone has any good numbers. There was a study at Virginia that said, I think, 40% of horses in this country are overweight or obese. So that's a, a starting figure. But I will say equine metabolic syndrome is likely to be underdiagnosed. I think many horses have it that we don't know they have it, and many horses are being diagnosed with a different problem that really have this problem. Mm -hmm. Don't you really know what that different problem is? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's hyperthyroidism. Right. I'm going to go on record. You can record me as saying adult horses 
rarely develop hypo or low thyroidism. So okay. what we have all these years thought we were treating was probably equine metabolic syndrome. And that's one of the reasons we just don't have good numbers for how many horses have EMS. Now, I used to have a mare about um, 11 years ago. She's since uh, passed away, but she was diagnosed with hypothyroidism. And um, she was treated with, you know, a thyroid hormone mm-hmm. that she was given daily. Mm-hmm. And um, she seemed to respond to that. Now, can you explain why I, horses... I, I think so. There are lots of reasons why horses appear to have low... appear to have a thyroid gland that is not functioning like it should be. And the only way that veterinarians can test how well a thyroid gland is functioning is to measure... T4 and maybe T3. That's what we call the the hormones that the thyroid releases. However, the release and the the effect of these hormones can be altered by so many non-thyroid gland things, such as fasting, huge cause to be falsely low in your T4. Giving a horse butte can make the thyroid look low. Stress, certain diets, certain kinds of haze, there's lots and lots of reasons why you might have a false positive. What's going on is that horses are being measured by the best test we have. It's not a good test. And then non-thyroid factors are causing the thyroid gland to look like it's not doing its job. But in reality, it is. So now we're giving hormone to a horse that doesn't really need it. Fortunately, there has been doesn't seem to be a problem with that like there is in people, but it's still not a good idea to give a horse a you know prescription medication when he doesn't need it. Right. Now, my mayor, the, the way she was diagnosed was she became uh, obese and, um, you know, even though she her diet was the same as it had been before, and she became very lethargic and tired, and she developed a crusty neck, which is, you know, something that we've always thought of as a symptom of hypothyroidism. Right, and, and we were um, wrong. Right, and it's she, just, yeah. when they put her on the thyroid hormone, she did lose weight, her energy picked up, so... You know, it seemed like it helped her. Yeah, here's what's happening. Um, What we thought of was the the crusty-necked, overweight horse as being hypothyroid was actually probably equine metabolic syndrome. Because Mm -hmm. when you take out the thyroid gland in a horse, all sorts of weird things happen. Um, Retarded growth, increased sensitivity to cold, hind leg edema, a, a thickened appearance to the face. Very strange. And that's not typically what we think of as a hypothyroid horse. Mm -hmm. So what you've described in your mare, in my mind, is equine metabolic syndrome. And here's why the thyroid supplementation worked. In addition to diet and exercise and supplementation, jump-starting the metabolism with thyroid hormone really helps these horses. Mm. It causes weight loss, and it sort of kick-starts their metabolism back into gear overcoming the the active fat tissue role. And so horses should really be on it short term, three to six months, and then taper it off, and then see if they can maintain this new body condition score and level of activity without the help of the thyroid hormone. Because it's not really the thyroid gland that is the problem here. It's this equine metabolic syndrome, active fat. We're just using the metabolic hormone T4 to 
affect in the short term the metabolism. So it sounds like what you're saying is that there is really a ge- genetic component here, that that's what causes it or that's what um, that's the underlying it reason behind it. It certainly plays a role because there are some breeds that are very prone to metabolic syndrome. And what breeds are those? Well, ponies, Morgans, Spanish Mustangs, Spanish-type Mustangs, uh, uh-huh. Pasifinos, uh-huh. a lot of the gated horses, the Tennessee Walkers and the Rocky Mountain Horses, Saddlebreds. Kind of the ones that you think of as being crusty-necked. The, the fat might also accumulate at the base of the tail or the tail head. Sometimes uh-huh. you see a fat pad behind the shoulder. Uh, up on top, the uh, loin or croup, there might be extra fat, a fat pad. And even in the, uh, above the eyes, you know how the older horses appear sunken in right there? These horses might actually bulge out with fat. And huh. even uh, the sheaths of a male horse might be swollen from fat. Right. Yeah, I have seen that and wondered uh-huh. what that was. Okay. Yeah. That's interesting. I happen to have a Spanish Mustang, so... Oh, um, okay. How yeah, old? so he's eight. Well, and, he's right uh, at the age because I... It helped me remember, this is a middle-aged disease of horses, so 8 to 18. And he so puts on weight very time. easily. You yeah. Know, he, yeah, we call these horses uh, easy keepers or air uh-huh. ferns or um, there's a couple other names like that, but that's what we're talking about. And uh, I only give him grass hay, but if I give him even a little bit more grass hay than he usually gets, he starts putting on weight. Yeah. So I guess I have to be careful with him. You do. Be very careful. I assume he gets no grain. No grain, no. Does he get a vitamin mineral supplement, though? I give him a pound of uh, triple crown light with no molasses, which is very low carb. And uh, here's, that's here's all I give I would them. recommend. I guess we're switching right now into how to manage this disease. <laughs> right, right. And okay? we're going to, you know what, let's take a break. And okay. uh, when we come back, we'll get into that. Good, perfect. Okay, hang on. We'll be right back. Why the long face? <laughs> I reckon horsing around will be back in the saddle right after we round up a few words from our sponsors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Molly, here's your dinner. Zeus, that's not your food. Don't let that happen to your precious cat. Elevate your cat's eating experience with the Cat Tree Tray. The Cat Tree Tray keeps your cat's food off the floor and conveniently located on the cat tree. It's the perfect way to eat. It's a beautiful wrought iron tray that easily attaches to your cat tree and keeps dogs and other critters out of your cat's dish. A must for multi-pet households. There's a 6-inch tray for large bowls and a 4-inch tray for smaller bowls. Purchase your Cat Tree Tray today. Go right now to CatTreeTray.com. That's CatTreeTray.com. C-A-T-T-R-E-E-T-R-A-Y.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. We know you're chomping at the bit to hear more horsing around. Well, we're back on the trail. So park yourself over yonder and set a spell. You ain't heard nothing yet. Welcome back to Horsing Around. I'm your host, Audrey Pavia, and today we're talking to veterinarian Lydia Gray about equine metabolic syndrome. So, um, Dr. Gray, let's talk about how to manage equine metabolic syndrome or, or prevent it. Maybe prevent it and then manage it. Well... 
Gosh, they're kind of the same thing, I guess, because the practices that you use to manage one that has it are, are kind of the, the practices you would use, I guess, if you have a horse who you think might get it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it comes down to diet and exercise and possibly supplementation. Mm-hmm. So let's start with diet. These horses need to be on a low sugar and starch diet. And since the basis of diet is forage, we can begin there. Most, unfortunately, most horses that have EMS probably need to be pulled off pasture. And it may not be for their entire life. And it may not be even year-round. There may be times of the year, certainly there's times of day, when it's safer to put a horse who can't have a lot of sugar onto grass. But when you're treating one that's either developed laminitis because of it or is thinking real hard about developing laminitis, I'd get them off the pasture. Put them on a grass hay, but the grass hay, too, needs to have low sugar starch. Mm -hmm. And the number that's recommended is around 10 to 12% in SC or non-structural carbohydrates. How do you know that you have your hay analyzed? I talk to a lot of people that say, but I get my hay from a different place every time. I get 10 bales at a time. It's not worthwhile. By the time I get the results back, I'm done with that batch. Then I say, soak the hay. 30 minutes in warm water, 60 minutes in cold water will suck out a lot of the sugars, making it safer to feed. Are there particular types of hay that are just naturally lower in carbs and sugar? I'm going to recommend a website for people to go to because the hays are different throughout the country. And so one kind of hay that we might have in my state might not be available in different states. So mm-hmm. if you go to equianalytical.com and there's a dash between equa and analytical. Mm-hmm. You can pull down different types of haze and look at the uh, results of testing. Okay, and we will put that website on the episode notes uh, oh, good. Okay. part portion of our Horsing Around website so people can access that. Good. So I, I don't want to make any blanket recommendations because hay can be so different, um, even from one field to the next in the same state, but um, mm-hmm. that's, that's a great resource. Okay. So then you have to say, well, how much do I feed them? Because you can't just put a round bale out and let them eat on it all day. Right. And the advice is start at 2% of their current body weight. Mm-hmm. So if you have a 1,000-pound horse, 2% is 20 pounds of hay. And then decrease it slowly to 1.5%. So that's 15 pounds of hay. And then when the horse is adjusted to that amount and has begun to lose weight, then you can go to 15% of their ideal weight. So maybe mm-hmm. you want this horse to weigh 900 pounds. So then you can keep adjusting down. Right. Do you recommend what we're talking about? Do you recommend that for any of the breeds that we discussed? Uh, or, you know, are there horses that are more likely to develop it, you know, other than the breeds that you mentioned? You know, I don't, I, I'm, a, I'm a firm believer in weighing hay and analyzing uh-huh. hay and knowing what my horses are getting. Uh-huh. I think it's probably more important in horses that are likely candidates to not feed them a traditional sweet feed. To mm-hmm. me, that sets them up for failure. Right. So rather than, than fortified grains, I like feeding ration balancers or multivitamins. What mm-hmm. people run into, they get scared of grain, and so they pull all the grain, and then all the horses eating is a most likely low-quality grass hay. 
very stemmy, mm-hmm. not, maybe a, over a year, or maybe someone's last year's hay, you know? And mm-hmm. so now the horse is deficient in what he needs as far as vitamins and minerals and maybe even protein through amino acids. So, and then they maybe give a handful of grain to put a supplement in. If you read uh-huh. the bag, the fortified grains, it tells you in order to meet the horse's minimum requirements of vitamins and minerals and protein, you need to feed this many pounds for, a, say, a thousand pound horse might need six or seven pounds of a fortified grain, but people right. are feeding a handful. I would rather go to a ration balancer or a multivitamin mineral supplement, which doesn't have any sugar, but fills in the gap for those vitamins and minerals and other nutrients the horse is not getting because all the grain's been pulled. Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. Good. Okay. So we've done hay or forage. We've done grain. I I have to mention no treats. Uh Someone once said, well, is it okay to feed a peppermint? And I wrinkled my nose up and I went, well, you know, that's almost all sugar. And she said, oh, he gets a bag a day. Oh, my gosh, that's a lot. My goodness, no, (laughs) he can't have a bag a day. And I really, I don't even want him to have one a day. So you need to be on the hunt for no or low sugar treats. Mm -hmm. What about carrots and apples, natural treats? Well, carrots are pretty high in sugar. Yeah. Yeah, apples, I think, are better. But if you're treating a horse with equine metabolic syndrome and they're foundering as we speak, absolutely mm-hmm. not. If right. you have a recovering EMS or a horse that's prone to it and you're not there yet, an occasional baby carrot for work very well done might be mm-hmm. okay. So uh, we've talked about hay, grain, and treats. Is there anything else? Well, you, you're probably familiar with um, there are some specific ingredients that are added to supplements that anecdotally seem to improve these horses. And I'm talking about chromium and mm-hmm. magnesium, uh, cinnamon, and there are some, some herbs and other um, ingredients that seem to cause horses to lose weight and improve their insulin sensitivity and decrease their risk of laminitis. And if those work in your horse, super. Mm-hmm. They're extremely popular. Um, I think that it's important to maintain at least 100%. Some nutritionists are saying 150% of your mineral requirements as set by the NRC. And so that mm-hmm. might be how magnesium works. Right. Because you're supposed to keep that in a ratio with calcium, two parts calcium to one part magnesium. So some of these horses could simply be deficient in magnesium. Okay, one thing we've kind of skipped over is diagnosis. How, how do veterinarians diagnose equine metabolic syndrome? Well, this is why those, those diagnoses that I say is an over-the-fence diagnosis. That is, I'm, if I'm driving along and I see an overweight horse, especially with this abnormal fat deposits in these key areas we've talked about, um, I kind of think to myself, oh, I wonder if he has equine metabolic syndrome, if it's a, a Morgan or a Mustang or something. And you can simply do a fasting blood draw and measure insulin and glucose as a screening test. And by fasting, I mean it's okay to feed hay. If you can pull it by 10 p.m. the night before, that's ideal. But no pasture and no grain, and then the vet draws the blood in the morning. So Mm -hmm. it's it's a very realistic assessment of your horse's insulin. If the insulin is high when there should be no sugar in the body from a meal, 
to send in the tissues, then you might have your diagnosis. If it's borderline, there's a dynamic test called CGIT or combined glucose insulin test. And while this might be a bit trickier to run in the field and many people choose to send their horse to a referral center or a hospital to do it, it can be done with those handheld uh, glucometers that human diabetics mm-hmm. use. And all this right. test is, is again, it's fasting and you draw your baseline of glucose and insulin. Then you give the horse glucose and insulin and you continue drawing blood every few minutes over a period. It can be it can be several hours, but you have your answer in about 45 minutes. If the horse's glucose does not go back to that baseline normal in, in about 45 minutes to an hour, mm-hmm. then he's got insulin resistance. So there okay. are some very good tests out there to diagnose it. Mm-hmm. One other thing we didn't talk about was how is this different from Cushing's disease? Yes. Pars pituitary intermediate dysfunction. And, and I again, I'm going to go on record. I have some very firm opinions here. It's, an, it's a completely different disease. This is a disease of older horses, and it's a dysfunction of the pituitary gland. And so what happens is the hypothalamus is supposed to be inhibiting the, the pituitary gland, but it, it doesn't. And so while not actually becoming a tumor, as we used to think, cells in the pituitary gland do become enlarged and overactive, and they release hormones that normally shouldn't be circulating all the time. One thing that happens is that those hormones cause cortisol, the stress hormone, to be released from the adrenal glands. And then you get this collection of clinical signs caused by chronically elevated cortisol in the blood. Okay. So why is it that people sometimes confuse Cushing's with uh, EMS? Because there's some overlap in the symptoms and the criteria. Equine metabolic syndrome horses and Cushing's disease horses, they both can have insulin resistance, but they get it for different reasons. Mm -hmm. And then they both can develop laminitis, but from different reasons. Um, They both can be overweight. They both can be thin. So there's some overlap. And even in the breeds, one of the most common breeds to develop Cushing's disease, Morgan's. So we see them in both. It's possible that horses that have equine metabolic syndrome might be heading on the path to Cushing's disease. Mm -hmm. And so managing the EMS might slow that progression down or prevent it altogether. And doesn't Cushing's, isn't that usually associated with um, a hair coat issue where the the coat is not shut out? This is diagnosis. If you Uh see a horse standing in a pasture with hirsutism, which is the long curly hair, the uh-huh. only reason they can have that, unless they're a curly basker breed, is uh-huh. Cushing's disease. And right. some people would choose not to diagnose that because there are very good uh, blood tests for Cushing's as well. However, uh-huh. I encourage owners to have their horses tested for this because not only do you confirm the diagnosis, but it gives you a baseline because when you start treatment for Cushing's, for Cushing's disease, there is actual medical treatment in the form of pergoline is best. Some horses mm-hmm. respond to ciproheptidine. But in, you know, 30 days, 60 days, twice a year, it's nice to rerun those tests and use the test results as well as how the horse looks to see if your medical program is working. So um, basically it's important to test 
even if your horse has, if you suspect EMS or uh, you want to make so. sure. Yeah, you yeah. want to make sure. Now, is there anything that, aside from diet uh, and exercise and supplements, that a veterinarian might do for your horse if he has EMS? Right. Well, we talked a little bit about you can jumpstart the metabolism by prescribing a thyroid hormone. Uh-huh. But that's short term, that's three to six months. And then you wean the horse off and see if your diet and exercise program can maintain. So that's pretty much it. There's no magic pill for EMS, huh? There is no magic pill. There, there is a new prescription medication called metformin that a couple of research institutions are investigating. But mm-hmm. the results of its use in horses, it's a diabetic drug for people. And the results of its use in horses have been some positive and some negative. So they haven't quite figured out what population of horses it works best in and what the right dose is and all that. But we're sort of... Mm-hmm you know, paying attention to that. In, right. in horses with Cushing's disease, the new drug on the market is one that's actually used in, in dogs, and that's called trilostane. But uh, it's not available everywhere yet, and um, they're still hashing out the details of how it works, too. Mm-hmm. But they're okay. definitely in the pipeline. Great. Well, we're just about out of time. Thank you, Dr. Gray, for being my guest this week. This was really informative. And uh, I'd like to encourage everyone to take a look at the episodes notes page on Horsing Around for a website link to Smart Pack Equine, uh, where Dr. Gray is currently um, involved, and to get more information about her and also to get a link to the Equa Analytical website that we mentioned where you can get information about uh, hay nutritional content at different parts of the country. If you have any questions or comments about horsing around, please email me at audrey at petliferadio.com. Until next time, happy trails. Stop what you're doing and start horsing around. Every week on Pet Life Radio, horse expert and award-winning rider Audrey Pavia will be trotting out great tips on feeding, breeding, and more on everything equestrian. So set a spell and say hey to Audrey and get ready for a darn tootin' gallopin' good time. Every week on Horsin' Around, on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.